Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear friends, we are excited that you've chosen to join us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. My name is John Russell, and I serve as a host, and I'm apologizing right out of the chute because I'm getting over a cold, so my voice is a little scratchy. But I'm here in Baton Rouge with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman. How are you, my friend? I just saw you a minute ago. It's just uh, it's neat to be in the same building recording, isn't it? It really is. Good to have you with us, John. Welcome back to the Deep South. Oh, gosh, you know, and I'm so <laughs> excited that you haven't changed the weather for me at all. <laughs> Walking out this morning felt like I was being hugged by a warm, wet sponge. There you go. It's the it's the embrace of God. There you go. Yeah, not quite how I describe it, but I get the picture. Well, friends, if you've just joined us for the first time, Frank and I are pausing in our current series on our discussion of Paul's epistle to the Colossians. And we're going to do a, we think a short series, but we don't know for sure. And it's going to focus on something a little different. It's going to focus on what we consider are some pivotal words and phrases in scripture. And what I mean by that is cases where a single word or a single phrase changes everything. And we're going to begin today with one of Frank's favorites, but God. Wow, what a great phrase, isn't it, Frank? John, that's probably my favorite phrase in all the Bible. <laughs> we say this repeatedly, but we really want people to realize that every single human being on this planet is living in a world we were not designed to live in. And we were made for the Garden of Eden, a paradise. And so that means every single human being has things happen to them that we never should have had happen. And so there's hurt, there's loss, there's sorrow, there's betrayal, there's deception, there's fear, there's anxiety. We could go on and on. And you look at it and you go, oh, no, what will I do? And the issue really isn't what you will do. It's what God is going to do because of his great love. And so into this world that we weren't designed for, into this experience we were never designed for, we have a marvelous phrase, but God. And to those who love him, whatever you're going through, and this is so so rich, John. I know I'm already tearing up. I'm sure you are too. Whatever you're going through, no matter how much it hurts, it's not the end of the story. God will write an ending for you that will be beyond what you could have imagined or thought, and it's going to be good. Yes, it is. It might not seem like it in the midst of the circumstances, but the end will be good. Frank, we're going to begin today uh, by looking at the very first incidence of that phrase. And that's I'm going to take a place to start. That's a good place <laughs> to start. I know we, we find that phrase throughout scripture, 
but I thought that the first reference would be the most impactful for us. And so as I began to look, guess where I found it? I found it in Genesis, and it comes out of Joseph's mouth. And it mm. comes out of his mouth twice, Frank. Once in chapter 45 and once in chapter 50. So I'm going to read a couple of sections of those passages. Then I'm going to turn it over to you to describe sort of the background and how we got here. So mm. Genesis 45, verse 8, Joseph is speaking to his brothers after they sold him into slavery. And he says, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. Oh, and by the way, he made me a father to Pharaoh. My goodness, what an incredible mm. thought. <laughs> and then a few chapters later, Frank, in chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says these words, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So I know we've heard that phrase a lot. You've used it in this context for as long as I've known you. Take a few moments and run with the history. What happened to bring us up to this point? Well, John, that's a great thought. Thank you for the privilege. This story begins really with a dream. And you remember Joseph had a dream. It was that all of his brothers and his father would bow down to him. And of course, you know, family members are not real high on a dream like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, sir, they are not. And he really reiterated the dream. And so he said it again. And, you know, the father, Jacob, was kind of like, hey, go tend your sheep, be quiet. And there's, there's a real lesson there. We know because of what happens that this dream really was from God. It was the truth. His brothers were going to bow down to him. But, you know, there's a real lesson there. Just because you get a revelation doesn't mean you shout it from the mountaintops. Sometimes you need to keep your revelation to yourself. But Joseph was a young man, uh, like we all were, kind of prideful, arrogant, stubborn, like we all were. And he mouthed it and he paid the price for it. His brothers didn't like it. They didn't like that he was the favorite son of his father. He wore the coat of many colors. And when he showed up one day to find the brothers, as the father told him, go get your brothers. There they were. And they looked at him and there he is, the dreamer. And they decided to sell him into slavery. And off he went to Egypt. Yeah, boy, isn't that so oh. much like us, Frank? How do I solve this problem? Mm. How do I get rid of this rock in my shoe? God, would you please help me? Oh, what a brilliant idea. Here's a bunch of hairy Ishmaelites. I'll just sell them to them and he'll be gone forever. <laughs> yeah. And I think what makes this so hard, John, is that it was a dream. It was from God. And, you know, we have a promise in scripture that God loves us. We have a promise that all things are going to work together for good. We have a promise that he's going to bring us to an appointed end. We have a promise, you know, Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you and they're good. But sometimes good plans uh, come in painful packages. Oh, yes. uh, they don't look good. They don't feel good initially. And that's something we have to realize. And this is so very important, John. God didn't promise the path would be smooth. Oh, no. You know, you mentioned earlier, Frank, the importance sometimes to keep a revelation to yourself 
And my mind instantly drifted to when the message was first delivered to young Mary Mm. and said, you will bear a child. You'll call his name Jesus. He'll save the people from their sins. And Mary hid these things in her heart. Mm. So it's really kind of cool that sometimes you don't have to blare the good news. Mm. It has to percolate. It has to simmer for a while because Mm. that certainly, Frank, was a devastating piece of news for her. Betrothed, Mm. but not yet wed. And so Mm. you know how the voices are going to chatter around the village about Mm. this girl who's pregnant and not married and what's going on here and what a shame. And you know how they're going to run with this. But nonetheless, God gave the gift of Messiah wrapped up in a package that had dark paper on the outside from the mm. very beginning. Oh, man, I tell you, oh, it really that's is so huge. That's huge you brought that up because Mary's a classic example. Instantly, there were the gossips, the slanders, the, oh, yeah, virgin with a child. That was, like you said, a dark package. God never promises that life's going to be easy. In fact, Jesus said the exact opposite. You're in a fallen world. It's going to be tribulation. That's right. Uh, They hated me first. Yeah. I hate you. David, you know, man after God's own heart. What does he say? I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not that it's an easy journey. The issue is it's a glorious end because we know God and God steps into our journey and says, but me. I'm going to do something. We can place ourselves in in Joseph's circumstance now. They trashed his coat. He didn't have the greatest gift from his father. He sold as a slave. He finds himself in Egypt. And he gets uh, assigned, I guess that's a word, a good word here. He gets assigned to serve in uh, the household of a gentleman named Potiphar. Mm. And so, you know, maybe he thinks he's on his feet now. But what happens there, Frank? Oh, you know, Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. The scripture tells us that God put favor on Potiphar because of Joseph. And so Joseph was the best thing that ever happened to Potiphar, but he was still Potiphar's slave. And he rose to the top of the slaves, but still a slave. And there again, John, I don't think we want to run over that too quickly. Wait a minute. Where's the fulfillment of the dream? Yeah. Uh, This isn't what I was expecting. This can't be God's will. And yet you read the passage, Genesis 45, 8. God sent me here. So it was the will of God, but not what we would have thought the will of God might be. (laughs) Oh, no. Heavens, no. Not at all. So he finds himself in Potiphar's house, not living at all what his dream says. And then he gets set up. Mm. Boy, his life turns south for Joseph, or so it seems at the time. What happened there, Frank? Well, as you know, there was uh, his Potiphar's wife, and she had the eyes on this young man. And by the way, when you do a little history work, uh, for you to occupy the role that Potiphar occupied, there's a very good credibility that to fulfill that role in the Pharaoh's court, he would have had to have been a eunuch. And so if that's true, then, you know, there was no uh, sexual relationship between him and Potiphar's wife. But in any event, whether that's true or not, she's looking at that young man. But Joseph would not give in. 
And finally, one day she, I don't know how you would say it, put the make on him and he ran and she had grabbed his coat. The coat was left behind. The screams are heard. In come the servants. She's in a quandary. She's a quick thinking lady and says that Hebrew kid just tried to rape me. And Potiphar, who knows what went on in his mind, John, was it to save face? I think he knew about his wife. The penalty for doing what Joseph was accused was the death penalty, but he didn't do that. He just put him in prison. But in any event, Potiphar put him in prison and there he sat. Yeah. So the package is getting darker now, Frank. Oh, goodness. you know, it, it starts out with a wonderful dream. Uh, everybody's going to bow down to me. All your sheaves are going to bow down to me. It turned south when he got sold to slaves. It went really south when he got hooked up with Potiphar. And now he's in prison. Could it get any more dark? What happens there, my friend? <laughs> it got darker. It got darker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pharaoh had a dream. And again, we believe this is completely from God. All things are from God. He's the, on the throne. And he allowed Pharaoh to have a dream, tormented him. Seven years of richness in the land and seven years of trouble. And But nobody could interpret the dream. And during the process, Joseph had been allowed the privilege of speaking to the dreams of the baker and the butler. And one was good news. One was bad news. Yeah. One of them was going to live. One of them was going to die. But the one who got to live was so excited. When he got released, Joseph told him, remember me, remember me, tell Pharaoh about me. And as soon as the old boy got out, of course, he forgot about Joseph. That's, you know, the way of mankind, so self-oriented. And he sat there still until the butler, the baker, I don't remember which one it was, you can help me, went to Pharaoh and said, I know somebody that can interpret a dream. But, you know, it's crazy. You're rejected by your brothers. You're sold into slavery. You're slandered and falsely accused. You're thrown into prison. You're made a promise. You'll get out. Then you're forgotten about. It was just one nasty circumstance of life after another. That's right. And we're not talking probably weeks here, Frank. No. We're talking some number of years. Oh, my goodness. And so when you think about waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. At this point, we know Joseph still had faith in God. He ran from Mrs. Potiphar. He honored God in everything he did. I think of Abraham and mm. the promise God made to him. And it was 25 years later mm. or that promise was fulfilled. Mm. And so sometimes we got to live with the heartache a long time before God does what he promises to do. We'd like him to do it quicker, but you know, our time is not God's time. Mm. And he's got a lot of moving parts as to what he's going to accomplish in Abraham's life, in Sarah's life, in Joseph's life, in the life of Joseph's brothers, whom we'll see in just a moment. Uh, a lot of moving parts to get together before he brings this all together into one final beautiful picture. And Frank, he does that too. How does he do that? Oh, goodness. Well, Pharaoh's dream could not be interpreted. He got very upset because it was a troubling dream. And finally, that was when Mr. Baker or Butler went to Pharaoh and said, I know someone who can interpret dreams. So they brought Joseph out of prison. And I love this, John. Pharaoh says to him, I heard you interpret dreams. <laughs> and Joseph, you got to love it, said, oh, no, sir, that's not me. 
my God can do this, but not me. Yeah, That's huge, John, because in all those years, that boy, now a man, even though life was difficult, kept his faith. Well, I'm sure he had physical eyes. He saw that prison every day. And I'm sure with his memory eyes, he remembered Potiphar. He remembered his brothers. He remembered those slave traders. He remembered the the guy that forgot him and Potiphar's wife. And but he, he didn't just have solical eyes. He still kept his eyes on God and waited for the day of redemption. Yeah. Hard to do, John. Hard to do. And so, uh, of course, Joseph interprets the dream. Pharaoh's all excited. He places Joseph in second in authority throughout all of Egypt. Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And God, through Joseph, miraculously provided uh, enough food in the first seven years to carry Egypt and all the surrounding countries through the next seven years. And so two years into that seven-year famine, Frank, things get kind of tough up in Jacob's hometown, and his brothers are getting hungry. So what do they do? They come down down to Egypt. Man, what happens next? No, gosh, you're exactly right. You go wherever you can to get help in a famine. And they humble themselves and go before Joseph, and Joseph blesses their socks off. and But he says... I heard you have a brother. Is he alive? As this old man of yours. And and he begins to feel them out. And they're wondering what this is all about. But then he holds one of them hostage. And he says, I want to see that boy, his brother, Benjamin, I believe. Wasn't it Benjamin? Yeah. And, uh, of course, Jacob, he's already lost one son. He doesn't want to lose another. But they're held hostage now. So they let Benjamin go. And... I love this. Joseph holds a dinner for him and he sets them at the table in birth order. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Isn't that sly? They're like going, how did he know that? (laughs) And then he blesses them, but he, he sends them on their way with multiple blessing. But of course he set them up. Uh, in a very nice way, even though they had set him up in a bad way, he stashed some valuables in Benjamin's bag. Then he sent his posse out after him as they headed back home and went through the bags, found the stashed valuables and accused them of stealing and had him go tell the old man and bring them back and get ready to have their day in court. Yeah. Cool stuff. So let's jump into the action now here, Frank. That's a little bit of background. Let's begin our discussion of the but God part before we finish this episode of our podcast. And so he gathers them all together, he being Joseph. And he said, come near to me, please. I'm reading now in Genesis 45, verse 4. Joseph Mm. said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. Now, at this point, they don't know who he is. You know, it's been a lot of years since he's gone. He probably just looks like the paintings in the in the Pharaoh's tombs, you know, with all the headgear and the face paint and all that stuff that we've seen. Uh, he probably looks like that. And he says, come near to me, please. Imagine 
how his brothers might be shaking in their boots. Mm. You know the enemy is running these thoughts through Joseph's mind. Now you got him. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to reveal yourself. Now you're going to intimidate them till they drop in their tracks. You got him now. Finally, revenge is so sweet. But Frank, this is the first point I want to talk about when we're talking about the miraculous changes that but God causes. He said to them, hey, I'm your brother, Joseph. I mean, every time I read that, it just makes me cry. Mm. He just gathers them in and said, this is who I am. He invites them close to see what God has made of him. Wow. You know, and I think about, isn't this exactly how God treats us? He draws us close. We refuse because we're afraid. But all he wants to do when he draws us close, my friend, is to reveal to us who he really is and how he wants to relate to us. Mm -hmm. Wow. What an amazing picture. I'm just crying just thinking about it. And, you know, John, Joseph, in my opinion, is the great patriarch, more so than Abraham, more so certainly than Isaac and Jacob. He is the one who really typifies the Lord Jesus Christ. His life, the way he lived, the way he loved, his dependence upon God. And I think we really need to point out the next statement. I am your brother. And look what he instantly says. Whom you sold into Egypt. It's honesty, John. Yeah. It's I'm going to be honest with you. And you need to be honest with yourself and look at what you did. And then I'm going to show you what I did. John, that is what God is after from all of us. He wants us to be honest with him. He is going to be very honest with us. He points out what we've done wrong, but not to beat us up, not to hit us with a hammer but to bring us to self-honesty so that we can look to him for the provision of what he has done, not just what we have done. You know, Frank, as as we wrap up this podcast, I want to bring up one more point that ask you to comment on it as we finish. So often you and I have seen in the church uh, fear among believers that they'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ and they'll be found wanting and their works don't add up just right. And the balance doesn't tip in their favor. And I know members of my extended family to whom this very thing applies. And I know they're believers have been in church their whole life, but they approach God with a fear, with an uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And what I see from this passage is God Joseph says, hey, look, I know what you did. There are no secrets here. I haven't forgotten. I have chosen to accept you despite what you've done. You can relax now. I'm going to provide. So wrap us up, my friend, and then we'll finish up. I know what you've done, but the greater issue is what I have done because of what you've done. And my love overcomes and overrules your failure. 
and I will bring you to such a complete and total restoration that your failure will never be remembered wow. again. That's how you wrap it up. Yeah. You know, friends, you've been listening to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. And uh, we do ask that if Father has ministered to you today in any way, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can visit us on our website, OurResoluteHope.com, spelled just like it sounds. There you'll find lots of articles, devotionals, ebooks, newsletters, things like that. And there's a place you can contact us. Just go there, let us hear from you. We'd love to do that. Uh, sign up for our newsletter. We send one out every month or so, sometimes two a month. We'd love to be able to engage with you on a greater level. And of course, check out our social media networks. We're on Facebook, on Instagram. We have our own YouTube channel. And also we ask your prayer because we don't take a step without Father leading us strongly. So we ask you to partner with us in prayer that Father will guide us and that he will provide all the necessary financial support to make it happen. And if he's nudging you to do that, then there's a way on our website for you to do that also. So thank you for joining us. And as always, we close with our same reminder week in, week out from Hebrews that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope in his first epistle. Frank and I call it a resolute hope. It's steadfast, immovable. And my friends, you've seen that steadfast, immovable hope today as Frank and I have been discussing Joseph in Genesis. So we encourage you one last time today and always choose that hope. Choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today, and you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.